Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you don't have a livable wage, you're not going to be able to support yourself. It has nothing to do with whether you're a good person or a bad person. I have to push back all the time. I'm, I'm finishing my Master's of Divinity in seminary. I have to push back all the time and say to people all the time, no, no, it has nothing to do with this sin, abstract sin uh, comp- uh, 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 concept that we've created and, and that we've perpetuated over years. Um, it has nothing to do with being a good person or a bad person. It's socioeconomics. Welcome to Bearcat, a podcast for serious women. I'm Brittany Shute. And I'm Amy Westervelt. That was Reverend Rosalind Bouillet you heard from in the intro. Rosalind is the reverend for a church in Detroit, Michigan. She also runs a food pantry there that's pretty interesting. It's It's got what she calls the client choice model happening. So it's set up kind of like a grocery store. What makes that unusual, Amy? Most food pantries are kind of, you know, you show up, you get a box. Whatever's in the box is what you get. And, you know... Sometimes it's stuff you need to make a meal, and sometimes it's like a whole bunch of coconut water and maybe some soda. (laughs) So um, this is like a big issue for food pantries to get their supply chain kind of worked out and and an inventory system and all that kind of stuff. And there are um, some other examples throughout the country of these like client choice model pantries, but they're hard to run because you have to have enough money to buy food versus just relying on the donations that you're getting so in Rosalind's case she's she's been able to set up um a a donation from a foundation that is really focused on helping her particular part of Detroit okay and that enables her to kind of plan out meals for people the really interesting thing about Rosalind and you can hear more about how her food pantry operates in another podcast on the critical frequency network the 51 She's like highlighted in the Detroit episode in there. What's the but, What's the fifty one about? Oh, it's about um, food access throughout the U.S. And um, we partnered with local reporters in different parts of the country to kind of give a picture of what it really looks like on the ground and how people are dealing with food insecurity and all of that. How did Rosalind's story come into your life? Oh yeah, so I worked with um, this reporter in Detroit, Taylor Wisner. She's a reporter for WDET in Detroit. She got in touch with me I put kind of a call out looking for stories around the food issue for this other podcast and and Taylor was like well you know I can look in I want to look into some stuff around Detroit I heard about this woman blah 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 and then she went to Rosalind's pantry um, and then she sent me some tape from that and then she's like I'm gonna go back in a week so let me know if you have like extra questions for her and in the meantime I got a I got in touch with Rosalind too because Taylor was like you know Rosalind also wants to talk to you she wants to know what this whole thing is about make sure that like her people are protected of and like I was like oh man this lady sounds awesome so of I, I called her 
her up and we had a conversation and I was like, oh my God, this woman is amazing, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. like, and so then I sent Taylor some more stuff and was like, oh, I want to know about this. And I want to know about that. So, um, so anyway, like I worked with her on this episode and then, you know, there were just like, like she has like two hours worth of Rosalind talking wow. about like her whole life story and all this other stuff. So I was like, you know, can I use some of this to tell more of Rosalind's story because she's really interesting. And yeah. like, I think, you know, more people, um, I don't know. I just, I like her whole approach to the religion thing yeah. and the whole idea of like being of service to your community. This episode of Bearcat is brought to you by Sunbasket. Sunbasket. Yeah, we like Sunbasket. I actually have been a huge Sunbasket stan, yeah. as the kids say, for actually a really long time. Yeah. Much longer than they've been buying ads on podcasts. Yes. <laughs> I'm a big fan of them because they use only organic produce and sustainably sourced meats and fish and all that stuff. But also they've put a lot of work into minimizing the packaging, which I really like. It is an incredibly small amount of packaging yeah. given how much stuff they send you. Yeah. I mean, they with. have, they use this, um, like, like some kind of random recycled wool thing for their ice packs too. Like yeah. it's like really next level yeah. where I'm like, oh wow, they put some real time and energy into this. I appreciate it. Yeah. You can just compost it. You can yeah. throw it away and it'll kind of just dissolve. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. And they have eight, 18 different recipe options every week, which is crazy. You can um, you can filter by particular uh, diet types. So if you're paleo or gluten-free or vegan, vegetarian, family, all these different things, or you can just look at the whole array of recipes that they've got coming and, and pick what you want, which I like too. So, okay, I'm a big fan of cooking. I'm like a, a long time cooker. You're a good cook. Thank you. You're an excellent. I can't say that about myself, but thank you. You're welcome. You're an excellent home chef. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you. But Brittany is not a, nope. a big fan of the cookery. Not an. Ex I'm not an excellent home chef. So this was like a good test because yeah. I, you know, for me, I'm kind of like, oh yeah, the recipes are easy, but I think you found them to be, you know, easy to follow and stuff too, right? Everything's pre-measured, which I thought was really helpful. Yeah, that's. I was nice. just given what I needed to work with, and mm -hmm. that was it. And uh, we have a pretty small kitchen and uh, True. Two, yes. two adult people who are uh, like it, it, having having two adult people in our relatively small kitchen can be a challenge. Mm -hmm. It was pretty easy for us to both be in there working. Either something was already cooking and then one of us was prepping and sort of like we could both kind of jump in and help each other. And that was really nice. Awesome. So yeah, we I don't know. always get to do that. It's usually one or the other. And then I'm I don't I don't clean up. That's not my job. And um, it, and the, but the cleanup's pretty easy, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome. I know. I also like that um, the the recipes are usually something that I don't necessarily already know how to cook mm -hmm. or might not have the ingredients for. So it's yeah. kind of fun to try something other than what I would sort of default to cooking. Absolutely, definitely uh, much more interesting things in our diet. Uh, in the week that we had our sun basket delivery mm -hmm. uh and not always stuff that i would then go figure out how to cook myself hey and, but i was really delighted that it just came to me all pre-measured and ready to go sorted and yeah easy yeah really yeah. easy i know i really like it okay so if you're interested in trying out sun basket go to sunbasket.com slash bearcat B-E-A-R-C-A-T, and you can get $35 off your first order. That's a meaningful amount off. It's almost half off of the first basket. It is. It's healthy. It's delicious. Mm -hmm. We really recommend it. Yeah. Sunbasket.com slash bearcat. 
Roslyn appears in an episode about Detroit and I talked to her on the phone a few times after that and, and like got more and more of her story and was like, oh man, she's a total bear cat. She's, she's a total bear cat. She's amazing. Like she was a drug addict for, you know, 20, 30 years. She was in prison for a long time. So she has a criminal record. She has this past with drug addiction. And so she is just really focused on, you know, how do we continue to treat people like human beings, no matter what's going on in their lives. Here she is talking a little bit about her own past and how that sort of set her up for having a lot more compassion than maybe the average person has for people who are really, really down on their luck. At any given moment, someone can take your children under the guise of neglect but you, you're there at home with the older brother and sister because you got to work two and three jobs because there's not livable wages out here. So by the time all of that is happening and then you're asking people to, um, to stand up and do this and speak up, or it's not that people don't want to speak up, it's just they're overwhelmed. And that's how you continue to beat people down. That's how you control people. That's how you eliminate the possibility of someone calling you to task because I'm just trying to make it. My, and, and then you're afraid if I say something, my, um, I'll lose my children. Uh, you know, um, I, I'll lose everything. I was a drug addict for 20 years. I'm a convicted felon. So I know how it feels to have your voice snatched from you, um, to be afraid, should I say something? Today? And even if I say something, would they believe me by virtue of the fact of where I sit? You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and no one starts out that way. No, 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 one, no one has that on their trajectory. So this food pantry serves as more than just a meal station. Um, our role is in, in, in community is to build people up, to remind people that they are valuable, viable human beings. They have worth. So what sounds interesting to me about Rosalind, not having spent time talking to her the way that you have, is that I feel that there's un very unfortunately sometimes this, this misunderstanding of the relationship between social justice work and, and, and faith, yeah. right? And, and yes. uh, which, is, which is an odd thing to have to even address because of, of course so many faith traditions come out of this sort of basic idea of holding people's humanity and sort of basic rights as the, the, the most important part of, of you know, than believing in like a higher purpose and maybe yeah. a, maybe a higher being and and sort mm -hmm. of why are we all here and what are we meant to do for one another and how right. are, how are we meant to care for one another right 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 but it's something that it sounds like she's really had to sort of fight to make a place for that in a sense you were yeah yeah I mean one of the things that Rosalind talks about a lot is just how you know taking care of people is like what we're supposed to be doing you yeah. know and she has this way of talking about how you know the real sin is like not taking care of people. It's really, it's powerful. I'm gonna play this tape for you now. Okay. When we specifically target who gets to eat, something's wrong in the society. That's not, that's not, that's not natural. It's evil. That's the evil in the room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not, not, not the things that we wanna call as these quote unquote sins. The evil in the room is that people are in the food pantry. That's the sin. The sin is that, People don't have fresh running water. That's the evil. That's the sin. That's what we're accountable for. The reality of it is that we're not 
we're not taking care of each other. Wow. Yeah. So we've talked about this a lot. Like, you know, my, both of my grandfathers were ministers. Yeah. And um, my grandpa shoot in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I think it was really, it was just kind of baked into his theology that this is, this, this is the most important thing is right. the caring of, for one another as, as I understood it. And it's hard for me right. now. I mean, you know, I, I don't remember and I can't ask him anymore because he died 20 years ago, but yeah. um, I, I think about it a lot because I, I'm not a person of faith, but I respect, uh, I respect a faith tradition that prioritizes right. like, people's humanity first and foremost. And some of my right. closest friends are very religious and it's interesting that that's not, like it's actually the thing that brings us together. Right. Because they also are not concerned about whatever, whether you go to a particular church or whatever, or if you're, it's just like or the if you're, human thing. Yeah, if you're yeah. queer or whatever it is, that like whatever life choices or like basic things about you are, that are supposedly judged by certain mm-hmm. religions or churches, like they don't have any of that. That's not where they're at either. They're like, we just want to, we just want to love everybody. Yeah. And that shouldn't be that radical anymore. But yeah. sometimes it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she um she got into to that quite a bit around the the water situation in Detroit. So this was in the news I feel like a few years ago, mm-hmm. um more so than it has been recently, but it hasn't really stopped since then. So like a lot of people in Detroit were having their water cut off for not paying bills, but the bigger the big problem with it was that um they were getting bills that were like $600 because their pipes were so bad that they were leaking. And then they were getting these giant bills that you can't pay on like a low, low salary or really, I mean, a $600 water bill, like that's I can't pretty crazy that. for most people, <laughs> you know? I don't want to, I don't know anybody that wants to pay a $600 water bill. Yeah. So then they're getting their water shut it's off. It's called a utility for a reason. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, and the thing is too, that I think people don't realize unless they're in that situation is it's like one of these things happens and it's this whole cascade of things that that come on the heels of that. So like, you know, you can't pay your water bill, your water gets shut off. Then, you know, because your water's shut off, you can't shower and you're showing up for work like dirty and smelly yeah. and maybe you get fired, you know? Or you can't cook or at home. Or you can't cook at home. And so like, so, you know, Rosalind is really like, she really makes an effort to be attuned to what's happening in people's lives. Yeah. And sometimes that's the water being shut off. Sometimes it's the lights being shut off. Sometimes it's like a job that got lost. Sometimes it's, you know, people got evicted. And so whatever food they had bought is now gone. So she'll, you know, she always like, uh, I'll play some tape here where she talks about how she just sort of tries to plan for all these things that are happening in people's lives. Yeah. Well, and if you're in temporary housing... Yeah, you can't you can't always cook the way that you used to, and you can't. Or if sub- you're like living in your car, yeah, you have to substitute. Like, there's like, yeah, your needs are very different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here she is on that. So the people who live in the community, who um exist on the margins, you criminalize them and you turn off their water. You say that they're not paying their water bills, and water bills should not be six hundred dollars a month for anybody. So um, we have a watering station here for families so they can get water. We're a stopgap for that, but our biggest role is to do effect policy change and to challenge um, that people be able to pay based on their income because the payment plans are not the, not, not the answer. Well, how could they possibly be the answer when you don't have the money to make the payment? Base the bill on 
what someone's income is. You know, um, we've seen it work in other states. It can work here. But um, once again, that's a tool. It's a tool to stigmatize and to eliminate people. And women and children are the first to go. The other, the sort of happier side of that is that she also plans for things like, you know, if she knows that there's a lot of birthday parties coming up or she knows that like... It's graduation. It's graduation. Yeah. 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 And so she tries to plan for that stuff too yeah. and, and like just give people that little layer of of still being human, you know, yeah. that I think is so missing from our interactions with low-income people in general yeah. these days, you know. Um, so here's a little bit from her on that. It's getting warm. People are about to have little events for their kids that's graduating from junior high school, graduate from high school, so they might even put some hot dogs on the grill. So I wanted to make sure we have more hot dogs for families this month. It's a small thing, but it means so much. You know, because if you, you get in your mind, because you, you're worrying, okay, I'm not going to have the money for this little extra right here. So it's that little extra that I'm trying to be conscious of, you know. Yeah, I mean, this lady is, like, amazing. Also, it's like, like I'll, I'll, um, I'll play some tape from, from her here, too, where she talks about how she makes herself available to everyone so that, like, everyone comes in. She makes appointments for people, and then they come in, and they meet with her, and they tell her everything that's going on. And then, you know, and she said that, you know, she goes, you'll hear her. She says, like, they, they have as much time as they need. Yeah. Everybody needs, like, time to vent. And, like, that is, that is, um that's a huge service. It is a huge service. You know, yeah, it's especially. One thing to, it's one thing yeah. to, right? Like, it's, there's some saying where it's, like, it's one thing to, like, you know, feed feed someone like to like literally feed them food but there's another it's another thing to like feed the whole person right yes so i'll i'll play a little bit from her on that here so you have to be in tune with people and so i i try to make sure i'm attentive um everybody gets the same amount of time as long as they need at that desk so whatever you need to tell me whatever needs that what you need to talk about whatever's happening that's causing you so much pain that's the opportunity that you get to talk no matter what whatever you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I take time for everybody. It, it's draining at the end of the day, but it's okay. It's okay because um, we all need somebody to vent to. Yeah. So that's when I, the families would share a lot with me and they'll say, but this is what's happening. That's what's happening. Yeah. Okay. And then she also talks about how, and this is again, like, I feel it's really funny because I feel like she is like by far the person I've talked to in, in like recent years who embodies actual Christian values to this really, really high extent, yeah. you know, yeah. but she is constantly having to fight back against church leadership about certain things sure. and against even sometimes her grant funders who, you know, she very much relies on, but um, she also has to kind of be like, you know, telling them how it is sometimes. Yeah. So one of the things that she had to push back from them on was like their perception of who is worthy of this um, help, right? And it's like, well, we're here to help women and children. And here's Rosalind's take on that. So oftentimes I have to push back and um, disrupt the, 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 this construction that, well, if people just got to know God. No, 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 no. People know God. That's not a problem. When you're at your lowest, trust me when I say, you know God, it's socioeconomics. So I have to constantly make that statement. I have to constantly push back because I have people constantly saying, so the, the church is in the area and everybody wants to have, you know, the church is always, people always want to talk about, we want to feed people, but it's an attachment to it. We want them to feed people so they can come to know Jesus, so they can come to know God, so they, no, no. People just need to be, just give people the food. 
just just give them what they need and that's it nothing else the, the, the people don't need them all that and if you treat people kindly if you are if you treat people with respect and dignity if you offer people um graciousness and and, and compassion everything else takes care of itself and then this pantry set up for uh, originally for women with ch small children well I had to push back with that because small children grow up they have brothers and sisters everybody in the house needs to be able to eat and then because I sit in community I recognize and know that a lot of the families do not look like what we can perceive as women with, with children suffering through um, food insecurity and water insecurity so a lot of it is I have a lot of men a lot of fathers who have the, their kids I have a lot of grand a, a tremendous amount of grandparents um neighbors um person down the street who just stepped in a cousin because um for whatever reason whatever has happened families do not want to um quite naturally want their children in the system so they'll step in and they'll take and play that role take that role over and so it's not the it's not, it doesn't fall into the perimeters or guidelines that we would always think that it should look like you see what i'm saying there's so few people left anymore that have the kind of time and energy and passion for really like just helping other people these yeah. days, I think, that, that Rosalind has. And especially given that, you know, she didn't have an easy life herself. And, you know, I feel like that's part of how and why she's so um, good at what she does now. Yeah. But it's also um, kind of inspiring to see someone be able to come out of all that and have so much to give other people. Yeah. To like keep, keep a, like use your own story to then build compassion. Yeah. And like, um, like we would applaud, I feel that, like, but. I feel like we often applaud people who like went through the stuff that Rosalind has gone through and, and just are able to like come out the other side and like live a nor like a get to a point where they have a house and they have a job they have and like whatever a, right like a stable but like life. you know she's gone way past that to like being able to give that to like hundreds of other people you she know? can provide stability for other people now that she has her own yeah and like and understands that that's like like it sounds like to i mean with a lot of ministry i feel like that becomes part of your calling right yes. like it's not just like an obligation it's like you yes. feel a responsibility to be part of that social contract. Yeah. And to even do more than was done for you. Totally. And also I think like speaks to why it's important to not just throw people away. Yeah. Like look at what this woman has been able to do. Look at how many other people she's been able to help just because she finally got the little bit of help that she needed. You know, like it's, um, I mean, I, like I personally believe that, you know, we should help people no matter what. But if you want to look at it really cynically from a numbers perspective, yeah. like people are a valuable resource. Look yeah. at what they can do, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway. I think it's interesting to consider um, how far outside of stereotypes so many people fall, whether it's people who are grieving, people who are hungry, like there, there's no sort of like one set way that those people's lives have gone. And like, like none of us are sort yeah. of like this one dimensional version of that, right? Like right, right. she's talking about how lots of different people come in needing food, right? And yeah. you just don't, there's just like other people's lives are so unknowable. Right. There's no, there's no way that you can understand. Yeah. You know, the, all the things that have happened to like put them on a particular trajectory and yeah. you know i also think too that that um there are such 
people's lives can be so dramatically impacted by actually like pretty small things going wrong. And that's part of the the sort of fraying of the social safety net is yeah. that like it really only takes one pretty what like might seem like a minor thing to really like torpedo someone's life yeah. you know um like your car gets impounded and that's how you get to work every day and then you lose your job and then you you know it's like yeah. it's like these things can really they happen very quickly fall quickly yeah, yeah. i yeah. feel like the small things also make a big difference though coming back right like if yes. you like if you lost your job and you just really need access to healthy food mm -hmm. so that maybe that helps with, you know, your, your sort of general health and your stress level and your just like daily ability to function yeah. and worry about one, like one, one less, less thing, thing. Mm -hmm. you know, I think, um, this question of like who deserves help or like, yes. and like, this is really interesting to me. I think a lot about like, lately I've been thinking a lot because I live in San Francisco, but because this is happening in, in many major metropolitan areas mm -hmm. the idea of who deserves to live in cities mm. and who like yeah and it's like and who deserves to live with dignity and like, yeah and like yeah. and yeah and i don't under and it's it's fascinating to me that there's even a conversation about that yeah it's like well who's allowed to do what excuse me and like, who are you to make that decision like who, like, like yeah because yeah. it becomes a conversation about who's valuable as if yeah. different people aren't valuable to each other in different ways like yeah. as if relationships and communities are somehow just this weird give and take of like skill sets and money and it's not yeah you know so yeah yeah i have heard for a long time especially from i would say actually like a lot from feminists who have some amount of like financial stability who think that they're trying to like acknowledge that privilege and you know whatever will say things like well you know, a woman who has like three jobs and two kids, like doesn't have time to think about like equality or doesn't have time oh, to think about mm. like whatever. And that's I'm like, demeaning. that's demeaning and patronizing. Like yeah, uh, it doesn't matter where someone is in their life. Like they still have dreams and they're still human beings who have desires for a better life for themselves or for their children if they have them or maybe they don't have time to think about the state of the world but that doesn't mean that like those thoughts don't exist in their heads or that they're like incapable of that. you know what I mean like I feel like that is part of the dignity piece too it's like no 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 like I mean, that's how social movements are built. It's like, yeah. it's like people who work hard also dream of more. Yes. Right? That's, yes. The, that's the very, it's like, the like whole, yes. that's the only reason that social change yes. and like, like the civil rights movement and like the women's rights movement, like those, like that's the only yeah. reason those things have ever happened. The, the farm workers movement. Hello. Yeah. You right? know, like, like, I mean, like yeah. different, like, I know, I know. And this yeah. is, I feel like this is just another critical piece of that, right? It's just that mm -hmm. um, what Rosalind is, is serving, like what, what Rosalind is able to do for her community and the way that she's able to support people maybe doesn't have the same sort of aesthetic as like mm -hmm. a farm worker strike, right. right? Like it doesn't, there's not people in the streets. It's just people, it's not just, it's that people need some food because they can't, they, they, they're yeah. just maxed out on whatever. Like it's not, yeah. Yeah, I just, I really appreciate 
her approach that like she's not going to make anyone feel needy when they're there. Mm-hmm. She's not going to make people feel bad for having to be there or whatever, you know, and yeah. like um like she has she's talked in in other conversations that I've had with her too about how she really tries to make it feel like a meeting place, a community center, like people can hang out there and talk to each other or to the staff or whatever and she instructs her volunteers not to bother people when yeah. they come in because she said sometimes I'll get volunteers and then they're all like super like you know excited to like help people and you know like, and no, it's like you, no 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 some people's it's not needs, about you yeah and some people's needs are not conversational right like right. sometimes you need peace and quiet yeah sometimes she's like just let people you know answer be there to answer questions if people have questions but let people come in and like pick out what they want and have a normal kind of stable experience Sure, where because like in order to get any kind of like social services in this country like you have to you have to jump through an extraordinary number of hoops you have to stand in a lot of lines you have to talk to a lot of people you have to tell a lot of people a lot of stuff you don't necessarily want a lot of people knowing yeah she's kind of like if people want to talk about stuff that's fine if they don't we leave them alone yeah you know, and yeah. I'm like, just that like yeah. small thing is like, oh yeah, like that's that's a nice break for some people. Yeah, it's not you about know? it's not it's not about the person. I feel like this is something that you have to maybe unlearn about the 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 way that we talk about how to serve people, right? So yeah. it's like if you live in a community where there are a lot of people um, that are either homeless or housing unstable and they're on the street a lot, mm-hmm. it's not their responsibility to engage with you if you want to if like if you want to offer them something if you want to yeah. if you want to buy them food or you want to give them money or you know if there are ways that you want to try to help people they don't owe you anything in return you should do that because that's yeah part of what you've decided is an important part like like yeah. that's part of the social like that's that's a community yeah. you want to live in yeah like they don't have to perform poverty for you no. or gratitude or whatever no. like yeah and i do think that is kind of something that people have come to expect from volunteering and i'm not saying that like you should donate a bunch of time and it should be thankless and like screw you or anything like right that. but you it's like sure sure like basic human but you need to f- and stuff but like that's not that shouldn't be like what you're looking for if you're volunteering it's like you're you're like just trying to be of service and that's it you know you should um, you should in my mind you should do the thing that you would want other people to do for you yeah like that's yeah. that's that's it. That's the golden That's rule. The golden rule, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you you make decisions. You and I, you and I talk about this a lot. It's not yeah. even necessarily when it's um, someone in desperate need. It's also just like your day to day existence, like yes. being kind and being patient and giving people your full attention. Yeah. You know, at, at the post office, at the checkout counter. Like I don't care where you are. Yes. There are ways to live your life that infuse dignity into very small interactions that end up being very meaningful yeah you know and improve your own health and the health of others yeah right so i i think that's what is so exciting to me about rosalind's story because she lives that yeah like so intentionally yes Bearcat is produced by me, Amy Westervelt. And me, Brittany Shute. Our original music is produced by David Whited, and illustrations for each episode are drawn by Jennifer Kirkham. You can find us online at bearcatpodcast.com. Bearcat is available in the Apple Podcast Store, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next time. <laughs>